The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity FM Radio. I'm Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Rev. Dan Beckett. And together, we discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth and your recovery journey. And as today's show is an interactive discussion, if you're listening live, you can call in with your comments and questions. The number is 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. And Facebook users, you can also connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to share your thoughts and comments. So today's show is titled Conscious Connection. There are all these questions. Am I alone in the universe? Am I supposed to pray, but how? For who? To whom? And for how, you know, for what? I prayed as a child, and it didn't seem to have any results. So what's different now? Today, we'd like to talk about effective ways to make a conscious contact with God as you understand God and to see concrete, positive results in your life. We'll begin by sharing our own experiences of feeling disconnected from God, and then we'll move into the solution by talking about prayer and meditation, what it is, how it works. And finally, after the break, we'll share how prayer and meditation helped us make conscious contact with God and to see concrete and positive results in our lives. So, Lonnie, I'm just going to guess that you might have some experience feeling disconnected from God. What do you think? <laughs> um, yes, I think that's that's a no-brainer. Uh, you know, I've uh, shared before that by the time I arrived in Unity, by the time I arrived in the 12-step program, I had this, this wide variety of ideas about God, and I um, had struggled with trying to make a connection. Um, you know, and as a, as a child, I had... Um, I had this concept of God that was more like a father figure, but it mirrored my the father figures in my life. You know, there was anger and judgment and disappointment and fear and all of those kind of things. And so, you know, I uh, would pray to this this uh, uh, entity, hoping for some relief from the abuse and other things that were going on in my life, and nothing seemed to happen. Yeah, I think that I, I joke uh, when I ask you that because, uh, of course, I it's been my experience. I think all most, if not all, of us on a recovery path have some real experience with feeling disconnected with God. And as I think about uh, my own path, you know, most of my life 
up until the the recent era, uh, I would have to say I was agnostic or atheist if I even cared to spend enough time to differentiate the two, which I didn't. And so from where I sit now, I can look back at that and see, uh, describe that as disconnection from God. But at the time, because I didn't really even have a God concept that meant anything to me. I mean, I was aware of what other people seemed to be talking about when they talked about God, but I personally did not have uh, a God of my understanding in my life. And so there was therefore no concept of feeling disconnected. I never, I never experienced any kind of connection to the divine uh, when I was growing up that I can recall. I mean, maybe there were moments here or there that I didn't have language or concepts around. But yeah, I spent most of my life disconnected from God as I understand it now. You know, when I reflect on my childhood, the only times that I felt, and I won't say connected to God because I didn't have that language, but the only time that I felt peace was like at daybreak. I'm an early riser and I would, we grew up on a farm and, and I would go outside and I would watch the sunrise and I would feel like all is well with the world. And I would go fishing, you know, down to the, down to the farm pond around the corner. And at that time as well, sitting there watching the sun reflect across the water and just watching the ripples that the animals at the edges made and such, I would have this feeling of peace. But I never connected that with uh, an entity, a uh, spiritual entity of any type. Yeah, those sound like great experiences. And the, the times that I can recall, even now, I mean, in my, in my life recently, uh, when I have been uh, in nature or especially in, alone or in solitude in nature, you know, I lived for many years in western North Carolina in the Appalachian Mountains, and it was absolutely gorgeous. And there's so many places to go where you just can get that overwhelming um, feeling of joy, I would have to say, uh, that that what you're describing reminds me of so much. I, I also do remember that from time to time, um, as a kid, mostly as a kid, you know, maybe as a teen also, I think, I would kind of reach out to what I thought other people were talking about when they talked about God. But I don't, I don't remember ever getting anything back uh, from it. So it was an odd experience to kind of earnestly give it a shot, you know, try uh, what it is I was hearing others talk about and then sort of, you know, feel like I was talking to a, a blank wall or, or talking to myself. It didn't upset me or anything. I've just kind of noted it and moved on. You know, it never even crossed my mind, I think, um, to have to, to say a prayer until um, I was exposed to it in the occasions that I went to Sunday school or church. And then it was always something somebody else did somebody that had the right words, somebody that had uh, the direct line, you know, somebody that that um, knew of what they spoke, you know. I didn't ever get an idea that it might be a personally useful type of, of tool. Um, I think the only prayer that I was ever really exposed to in just in my general life outside of church was the serenity prayer. And I had a small coin early in my life, for whatever reason, that had the serenity prayer printed on the back of it. And because it did, I pondered that, but but the focus was on what I could do. God grant me the serenity, you know, to accept the things I cannot change. 
you know, the only God piece of that was grant me serenity. It, it didn't have the rest of the prayer is all about me and what I'm going to do or can't do that kind of thing. And so I, I used that as a tool on occasion, but I really never developed a regular prayer practice. And it really confused me, all of the religions fighting about who we're praying to anyway, you know, and, and, and what you're supposed to pray for. Some say pray for your own self and, and your own health and others say only pray for others. And, you know, it was just an immensely confusing subject to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of a, a, a great joke uh, that I've heard uh, a comedian speaking about the conflict in in Northern Ireland between Catholics and Protestants. And you know, can you imagine just looking over and saying, you know, see those people over there with the almost exact same belief system as me? I'm going to kill them because my God's all about love. You know, it's just pointing out that very conflict, like what is going on with this whole religion and God thing? It makes no sense. I wanted nothing to do with it whatsoever. I have, though, had also had those experiences where listening to a really inspiring speaker can, you know, seems to bring something up or in, or I don't know what, that uh, wasn't there before. Um, my experience with that, though, is that, you know, I'm thinking some years and years back that after I would leave, it would fade away. And it's almost like, well, it was that person. It wasn't something eternal or internal. Uh, it didn't seem like, um, it seemed like it was that inspiring speaker who was able to kind of, um, you know, bring up those, that excitement and those emotions and what felt like uh, a connection to the divine, but it didn't last. You know, the other uh, recollection I'm having is that music helped that connection for me. And I didn't identify it as a connection with my higher power or with God, but Christmas music, music that lifted my spirits, um, some other types of secular music that would that would uh, take me somewhere else, you know, and um, not just as an, an escape kind of way, but lift my mind, lift my spirits. But I didn't consider that a prayer either it, but it was a connection of some kind yeah I, I also was deeply affected by music uh loved it as a kid you know learned i did learn to play the guitar as a teen i played uh in a band and earned money for uh several years in my early 20s playing music i never connected that either with something divine i think i would now you know if i when i think back about what my experiences were as I, especially in the community with others in a band, um, working on songs, performing them uh, out at uh, clubs and whatnot, that experience is very similar to the connection experiences that I feel now in at church is one, and another one is in my recovery community. But like you're saying, back then I didn't identify that as anything god related or even spiritual I, I didn't have those words and i didn't have those concepts at the time you know another thing that i'm thinking about is that i really my concept of prayer at that at that point in time was all about foxhole prayers all about i needed something and i need it now and nobody else is around nothing else is in sight the only hope I have for having uh, this need met would be from um, this God of my misunderstanding at that point in time. And it looked like begging 
or as I mentioned earlier, intercession, somebody else asking or asking for somebody else, please don't let my sister, whatever, you know, that type of thing. But um, when everything's going fine, everything's going the way I think it ought to be going and I'm not in trouble, why do I need to pray? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back, I had some low points in my life or, you know, very challenging times where uh, it would have been super helpful and supportive uh, to have some kind of God concept or spiritual life at the time, but I didn't. You know, when I was um, quite young, I had a child that his mother and I gave up for adoption. That was a very challenging time in my life. Uh, he's doing great, and I'm very proud of him and in, in touch with him, but at that time, it was... Uh, it was just really a hard thing to walk through. So years after that, I, I had uh, what I like to call a practice marriage. Maybe some listeners have had a practice marriage. Well, that marriage ended in divorce, and that was extremely painful. And at that time, I didn't have any kind of spirituality. And even when uh, my daughter was born, I have a special needs uh, daughter who is deaf and has some other challenges. Um, that was a very challenging time. And again, uh, no real concept of spirituality, no spiritual community. And, and man, I, I really could have used it then. I'm grateful now to have it, but it just highlights for me what my life was like uh, not having any kind of connection to anything spiritual or divine. You know, they talk about addiction as being a disease of loneliness and disconnection, and I think that that you just nailed it, that that lonely, alone in the world, um, nobody there when we need them type of feeling that we have is, is it feeds the isolation. And, you know, so even though I knew that there was something out there, I thought out there, but that there was something in the world making the world operate the way that it did, I didn't have any connection to it at all. Yeah, I think that uh, from from what I have learned from speaking with others in the recovery community, uh, I think what you're saying and and what I experience extremely common in life. And you know, the flip side of that coin is if I can look for the good in it, I believe there's good in everything. Is that um, it made such a marked change when I did finally uh, come into a, a spiritual way of living. But let's shift gears now that we know about the challenge of feeling disconnected from God. What is the solution? Well, our 12-step program, um, in many ways, is a spiritual toolbox offering a different variety of actions that we can take to grow to recover. And there is a step specifically for this, a spiritual tool for experiencing conscious contact with God. Yeah, in fact, it's the 11th step, right, in our 12-step programs, and it reads, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And that is what we want to focus on today. And, you know, and it's also unity's fourth principle, and that states, through prayer and meditation, we align our heart and mind with God so that we can accomplish that. 
So what is prayer and meditation? That is a that is a good and big question. I when I when asked that, and that comes up at church sometimes, a lot of times implicitly. Um, people want to understand more about it. I know that I have had the experience and I have seen from talking with others that it's very easy to feel like we're doing it wrong, whatever that might mean. And so a, a decent part of my um, teaching at, at church where, where, I'm, where I pastor is to help people find their own way to um, a prayer practice that works for them. Now, for me, um, my prayer practice was learned almost entirely in the Unity Church, as I understood it. And also a big influence on my prayer practice was um, my instructor at Unity Institute and Ceremony, Reverend Robert Brummett. You know, I had a different experience because I probably learned my prayer practice in a 12-step program. And it, it most of the 12-step program um, principles, I'll just put it that way, operate from what you can see, in other words, the exterior and the outside, working inwards. Change your behavior, your thinking will follow, you know, which is kind of in opposition to the way we think about it in unity. But, but so what I did with my prayer practice in, in 12-step, I was told to pray, so I prayed. Didn't know what to pray, didn't know who to pray to. But when I was told to align my heart and mind with God, what did that mean to me? It meant that I had to start living in accordance with the spiritual principles I was being taught. I had to align my words, my actions, my motives, my belief systems, try to get them all lined up and going in the same direction. And so there was a lot of work for me to do in, in that way, but it was still a very external, externally observed type of process for me. Um, you know, and as I moved through the steps and learned about a variety of, of spiritual principles, honesty, integrity, courage, faith, etc., you know, there were there were new things to practice in each of those areas. Yes, I am thinking now about um, Unity's understanding of prayer, which I have to say is, for the most part, my own understanding of prayer. And I, I wanted to share here what Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore had to say about prayer. There's sort of a, a famous line, if you will. Uh, Mr. Fillmore wrote that prayer is the most highly accelerated mind action known. And I love the second part. It is the language of spirituality. Now, learning that, I can't say that that helped me in my own individual practice, but it did help me kind of, you know, step back and get that 30,000 foot view, if you will, of what is this thing we're calling prayer and meditation. From what Mr. Fillmore wrote there, I get the distinct impression this is really important. In fact, it is central to a spiritual life. He talks about it being the language of spirituality. It's an affirmation of truth with a capital T. Wow. And Myrtle Fillmore, the other co-founder of Unity, commented that prayer is an exercise to change our thought habits and our living habits to change us. And so that told me that oftentimes the focus of my prayer was in the wrong direction. Yeah, and, and that idea of changing us was, was life-changing for me. Ironically, it changed me. Uh, so from moving from ideas that I 
seem to have picked up just from here and there growing up as a child, almost a, a traditional, what I now see as superficial. I know that even in the traditional church, this runs far, far deeper than this. But the superficial piece that kind of, um, you know, became a, a common knowledge, if you will, in, in our society in the U.S. is like you're saying that we're praying out there to something, that I'm asking some entity or being or deity to change something that I'm experiencing. But what I learned in unity that's been so such a revelation for me and so powerful in, in changing and healing my life is that prayer doesn't change the world. Prayer changes people. And in fact, my prayer changes me. That's what shifts. That is the beginning of a shift in my experience in the world. And then, of course, I have an influence on the world as being a part of it. Uh, prayer changes me, and then I can change the world, my world. And, you know, uh, I'm thinking that, you know, another word used with prayer and meditation is communion. And my reflection was that I'm thinking, you know, I only ever prayed because I wanted something, not because I wanted communion, not because I wanted connection, but because something's not working and I need something different. And so, um, you know, even in the 12-step programs, there's a, there's a called the resentment prayer where we pray for somebody else to have everything that we want for ourselves, which over time changes us to lose the resentment and, and such. And I'm thinking, well, when did I pray that? Only when I wanted something. I wanted to be free of resentment. I wanted to not have this thing on my mind and, and this, this feeling of anger within me all the time. And so I just couldn't quite get there from that. And when I came to the, to the uh, unity principles and learned that I was disconnected still even though I'm saying the words and I'm following the process and I'm checking the boxes and I'm learning the right process and all that kind of thing until I could get connected inside I was not having communion yeah I think that uh, aspect of of prayer and how it ties into community which is what I think about as you use that word communion uh, is very powerful I, I feel uh, fortunate, and I'm grateful that um, self-centeredness is a perfectly acceptable path to spirituality. <laughs> if it wasn't, I don't think I would have made it, because in the beginning also, you know, when, when you are as covered up with uh, addiction as I was and as we um, in recovery community have been, um, it's pretty hard, you know, to take a an overview and, and sort of step outside of yourself and and, you know, see it from a divine point of view and all that stuff. I mean, when you're sitting right in the middle of that uh, pain and difficulty, the, there was not much more I could do than try to find anything that would help me alleviate that pain and difficulty. Now, as I said, fortunately, that's a perfectly fine way to start. There's nothing at all wrong with approaching the development of a spiritual life that begins with, you know, hopefully won't continue as and last as, that begins with a um, almost entirely self-centered approach. I think that's the very reason why in our recovery communities we have such a stress on service. You know, w when you go in after one week, you can be asked to you know, can you show up early with your sponsor and set up the chairs? Or can you come early and uh, make the coffee to get that 
out, outer looking, how, what can I do for others uh, in the mix as to try and balance some of that, what feels like inherent um, self-centeredness? I know that that's absolutely where I was uh, at the beginning, and I'm grateful that that's okay. So prayer is effective when it changes me, and it's my ideas, emotions, and attitudes. And prayer is a tool. Prayer and meditation are just tools in our toolbox. And they reference it in, of course, all types of spiritual traditions, as well as as unity and in the 12-step programs. And so what about meditation? I first encountered them, and and it's it was a little odd to me at first that in in unity when I was new to unity, I came to understand that when we say prayer and meditation, it's almost two words for the same thing. I mean, the unity prayer process, the practice, you know, the steps that we can teach uh, somebody uh, so that they can uh, do the the practice that we're pointing at or talking about is pretty much the same thing as a meditation practice. Um, I first learned about all that in the context of unity prosperity teachings. And so some of those aspects were the idea of prayer and meditation as alignment with the universe, which is a very big sounding phrase um, that to me just means uh, turning within and again, I'm, I'm describing what meditation is for me, turning within and just experiencing whatever it is that's transpiring within me. I also learned about meditation at, in the context of, uh, you know, checking your guidance. That's a phrase we'll hear a lot and use a lot in unity is that we can turn within and check our guidance. So we're, we're sort of taking a moment to set aside the clamors of the world and hopefully the clamors of our own thinking mind um, in order to have that experience of the presence of God uh, so that whatever it is that is the next right thing for us to do becomes clear in that moment. So those are some ways that uh, I learned early on, uh, practical ways of what prayer and what meditation meant and how to employ it or, or use it in my life. Yeah, we had a meditation meeting on Sunday nights where the first 15 minutes were set in silence. And that baffled me because my brain wasn't uh, quiet enough yet without some process with which to enter this silence. And so that's one of the things that I, um, I really grabbed onto with the unity process was this process that allowed me to quiet my mind and get centered and focused before I tried to enter into a time of meditation. Yeah, I, I think that Uh, For me, one of the most difficult aspects of learning about meditation or learning meditation and how to do it was all the misconceptions that I carried about it. I don't know where this comes from, but for some reason, uh, every person, myself included, that I've encountered who is kind of, uh, you know, in the beginning of a prayer and meditation practice seems to think that um, it means that I have to silence all my thoughts. And that just has not been my experience. So let's hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll open the phone lines for callers and we'll continue our conversation. That number is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us.
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991. God is extravagant supply. Get that, extravagant. God is extravagant supply. He brings forth the best robe. He spreads a banquet table, as we saw last night, with good things on which we may feast. He overflows our cup. He opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. And then this is what that Unity Correspondence Course said. Why are you satisfied with such meager living when you may have so much? To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment. Unity founder Charles Fillmore is quoted as saying, Here is a mental treatment guaranteed to cure every ill. Sit for half an hour every night and mentally forgive everyone against whom you have any ill will. The act of forgiveness is powerful medicine. Is there someone in your life that you can work on forgiving? Try this exercise tonight. To forgive is to set yourself free. Find out more about Unity at unity.org. Would you like to experience more peace and joy in your life through A Course in Miracles? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley support you in discovering the powerful life lessons available through this unique spiritual thought system that teaches the way to love and peace is through forgiveness. Join Jennifer every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk, to experience the healing for yourself on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that we're opening the lines for callers. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. 
0.55. So prior to the break, we were discussing this big topic called prayer and meditation. We were discussing our prior experiences with it and then how things started changing once we encountered the unity process. So Dan, now that we know that, you know, this disconnected feeling from our higher power is very common and that the solution is prayer and meditation, how exactly does this connect us to God? I have no idea, but I can share what my experience has been because it has absolutely changed my life. I can't comment broadly on how it works. I mean, I could pretend I know how it works, but I'm not going to do that. What I know is that for me, it it absolutely can act as a daily guide. You know, my, life is busy. We all have a busyness in our world around us from day to day. And I can feel lost about, you know, what what should I do next? I guess the, the question in, in terms of uh, recovery language is what is the next right thing to do? I can be asking myself that every 15 minutes. You know, what is the, what, what's going on? I feel like everything's a blur and I've got so much going on. What's most important? Okay, taking a moment to pause, take a breath and do uh, a prayer or what I would probably call a meditation by turning within just sort of uh, checking in with what's going on inside my body. You know, am I carrying any tension? If I am, can I just go ahead and release it? Uh, you know, what does my breath feel like? What is what what does it feel like if I wiggle my toes? Just doing something as simple as that, it's kind of a mindfulness check-in, a mindfulness meditation, can bring enough clarity where I feel like, okay, um, I can now see or I can now uh, discern what the next right thing to do is. So I, I have used uh, a prayer practice or maybe more accurately described as a, a mini meditation practice throughout the day uh, to help me just navigate the busyness of life and to know what, what is the next right thing to do and to then to feel good and confident about doing that thing. I like that entering into this time of, we'll say, prayer slash meditation through a mindfulness practice because so often, as you mentioned, we're so busy with everything and I tend to just keep going there's a million things to do and taking the time to stop and pause I have to do um, what I would call an inventory in recovery language we do those all the time and where am I what am I thinking about you know because I I'm feeding myself negative thoughts like I don't know if I'm gonna have time to do that I'm, I may not get that right well what am I gonna do you know and it, and it heightens my anxiety um, and that type of thing and when I pause and take time to breathe and check in and see how am I feeling and remember where I am and what I'm doing and that this higher power, this this entity I call God is available to me at any second of the day, at any moment, things seem to level out. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful to know and to be able to do exactly that in life. It, it, is, it has changed my life from being um, just a generally anxious uh, experience to um, being able to really feel anchored and, and okay in the world. You know, in a way, all I ever want 
and wanted in the world is to feel okay in the world. I have also used, um, I guess this will be prayer, uh, in a very different way during times of trouble in my life, especially early in recovery, where um, early in recovery, the idea of a prayer practice of any kind was new. I mean, I had been exposed to unity teachings and had begun to understand you know, what it felt like to do a meditation, but uh, it was still pretty new as a practice. Um, at five months uh, in recovery, I hit a wall where for a few days' time, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it. You know, it was a time of this tremendous upheaval of um, anger and resentment. And so, you know, my prayer, if you call it that at that time, and that's what I called it, was, you know, almost yelling about how angry I was about feeling angry and how angry I was about uh, being sober and how angry I was just about life in general. And being able to express those things um, was extremely healing in that time past. And that has not happened since then. You know, I've had other difficult times. I've had other uh, times of being angry, but not to that degree. I feel like something happened there. And Prayer was an important part of what was happening there. Something happened to help me turn a corner and to uh, walk uh, from that point forward. You know, my recovery path since then has uh, been a different kind of thing, and I'm so grateful for that. Early in my recovery, I was having significant problems with, it seems like, about every area in my life, which when I reflect on that's kind of normal. And, you know, we've made such a mess of things by the time we get here. And I was uh, being told to pray, and I didn't know what to pray, and I couldn't sleep at night, and my anxiety was high, and I was told to say the serenity prayer over and over and over again. And I said, why? And it was pointed out to me that my brain can only focus on one thing at a time, and that I had to somehow, some way, provide this opening, this space, you called it a pause earlier, in which a new idea could come in, a new uh, thought, a new connection can come in and provide the guidance for me. And so I said that prayer thousands of times in, in my early years of recovery because I didn't know what else to do at that point except I've got to get some space in my brain where I can change the focus. Yes, that I love that. That is reminding me how many practices in religions are really outer expressions of an inner reality. So saying the serenity prayer over and over in either an early recovery or, or any time to disrupt old patterns of thinking and allow something new to come in is exactly how things like, you know, in the Catholic tradition, the Hail Mary, that's what that was intended to do. Now, it doesn't work if you feel like you're doing it, you know, you're saying the serenity prayer is a punishment. Lonnie, you were late for the meeting. You've got to go say the serenity prayer 10 times. That kind of kills the whole concept of it being an outer expression of an inner experience, an opening of a door in the way, a disruption of old patterns of thinking, which is such a wonderful and powerful thing to do. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it till you said that, but that's absolutely a part of a prayer and meditation practice or of prayer and meditation is that 
um, you know, the word mantra comes to mind, the serenity prayer almost functioning there as a mantra, same as uh, the Hail Mary in the Catholic tradition can be a mantra, or the, or the word Om, you know, in, in a Hindu or Eastern tradition, uh, to just allow a space, like you're saying, for, for a new thought to come in. How wonderful is that? So also early in recovery, when I would have that space, the conscious realization that I needed a new idea— so I've been able to break the obsessive thought using the serenity prayer over and over and over again. And then, okay, I need a new idea. My next prayer was help. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. And, you know, and it was not the same way as when I was in trouble. You know, this help, as opposed to being a foxhole prayer, like come save me, was now a please guide me kind of prayer. And so along this process, my attitude had shifted from something else out there has got to come and fix this for me to I don't know what to do next. Show me. I love uh, that help prayer. It reminds me of um, the author Anne Lamott, who you, you may have heard of if you're listening, who even has a book called Help, thanks, wow. Maybe I didn't get them in the right order. But the point is that those are sort of the three core and most powerful prayers that we have. I have found that to be true as well. Certainly use that help prayer, like as I talked about hitting a wall at five months. Um, you know, they don't have the swearing at God prayer in here. I did that too. But it really it was a form of a help prayer. And then, of course, thanks is gratitude, such a powerful spiritual tool. I can't remember how many um, uh, recovery meetings I've been in where someone said, let's talk about gratitude today. And then I roll my eyes like, are you kidding me again? And then I have a great experience every single time talking about it. And the prayer, wow, you know, you describe that fishing, seeing the sun rise reflected over the pond, being outside in nature alone, that just kind of... That sort of experience of the divine in terms of wow, I mean, those three things right there, help, thanks, and wow, that's enough uh, to make a recovery life uh, alone, I think, sometimes. Those are really powerful ways to look at prayer and meditation as creating a conscious contact with God. You know, and the thing that the Unity Prayer brought to me was another set of tools to change me, to change my thinking, to change my attitudes and my belief systems, ultimately. And those tools were called um, denials and affirmations. Those, those were not tools that I was, uh, had any experience with before I, I reached Unity. And so in the process of the prayer practice, the five-step prayer practice, I learned that I could use these other tools, these denials and affirmations, that to, to disrupt my thinking, like we were just talking about, and to plant a new idea. Yes, the, uh, I agree that, that, that the denial and affirmation tool or practice is, is a great example of, you know, often I would have the questions like, okay, that's nice. Prayer and meditation sounds wonderful, but exactly what do I do? You know, how does this work? Uh, what were, you know, what words do I need to say? How do I need to sit? You know, early on, just really being confused about it. Uh, denial and affirmation practice gives a really simple and powerful framework, I think, um, for 
you know, a guide for answering some of those questions for me, like, what do I do or, or how does this work? I also remember that prayer and meditation in my life, I spoke before about how it's a kind of a daily guide in the busyness of life to, to just step back, take a breath and discern what, what is the next right thing for me, especially if I'm feeling um, anxious and kind of uh, off center, or ungrounded, if you will. Uh, but it also functions in my life in a very broadly as a sense of direction with things like, you know, should I, should I apply for this degree program and, and go back to school? Uh, should, should I relocate to a different town, which my family and I did uh, just a few months ago? Um, you know, how can I be of best service to my family and those around me? So these are very broad questions. Uh, also, um, I use a meditation practice and a prayer practice to kind of touch that or have that experience of the divine. We, you know, always referring to it in unity as turning within. You know, my belief is God is everywhere always, which includes inside me, but I'm not everywhere always. I'm right here right now. And so if I want to have an experience of the presence of God, I need to do it right here right now inside my own self. So I turn within in order to do that. And just experiencing even a moment or two of that peace that comes with uh, that experience of the presence uh, has been a very helpful guide to me for big things in my life, not just little things, but also big things. You know, I've talked earlier about how I arrived at this um, ability to turn within, and it was through a, an illness that I had, and I did not realize at that point in time that it was, uh, in fact, what I was doing, but I had had um, a cancer that I, it laid me out for actually a couple of years, and I was uh, bedridden for a while. And in, in doing so, I was reading um, Bernie Siegel's book, uh, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, which has a lot of metaphysics in it. That was really my first introduction to, to the metaphysics, aside from Emmett Fox. And I would ponder these things, and I would try some of the visualizations that uh, he suggested, healing visualizations that were suggested in, in that book. Years later now, I realize they're the same types of visualizations that um, that the healing meditations uh, provide for us. That sounds to me like a powerful practice, almost like a daily practice. And I remember reading uh, some writings of Unity co-founder Myrtle Fillmore where she talks exactly about uh, meditation as a path to uh, healing into wholeness. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears a little bit, and even though unity is not a Catholic tradition, I'm gonna have a time of confession. My confession is that I am really bad at maintaining a regular, daily, formal meditation practice. I have been told over and over that it's really important to do. Uh, I confess I can't do it. It doesn't work for me. Now, I have shared that uh, with a lot of people because I'm telling the truth and it's important to tell the truth. And many people have that same experience. And so what I have done, uh, and maybe maybe I'm on my way to having a um, structured formal practice. Maybe I never will. I don't know. 
I know that that's just not how I'm wired and it's not working for me now. And so if you're listening to this, I hope that you can feel okay. That's okay if you also are in that same situation. Because one way that I practice prayer and meditation in a daily and ongoing basis, not a formal sitting practice, but what I call a walking, a walking prayer, you know, just the practice, almost make a game out of it, of seeing the good in every person, seeing the God in every person. And I will, for example, always do this as a rule uh, from the pulpit. If I'm speaking or when I'm speaking on Sunday in a unity church, part of what I'm doing as I speak is looking at everyone and seeing the God and seeing the good in them. I can do that anytime, anywhere, uh, walking down the street, uh, watching a baseball game. That is a way that I have found does work for me for integrating uh, prayer and meditation into my daily life, um, given that I don't seem to be, I'm, I'm either not good at or I'm not wired for or not ready for, however you want to put it, I don't care, a daily formal sitting practice. It's just not working for me right now. I'm open to that changing, but that's just the truth of what's going on with me. Well, like you, I have I have the same type of difficulty, um, and it it has to do with for me uh, the day gets busy, and so what I have learned to do is when I first become aware that I'm waking up in the morning, as I'll spend a few minutes in prayer and meditation at that moment in time. And what I mean by that is I don't just like pop out of bed. I tend to wake up before the alarm goes off, and the first thing I hear are are noises in that you know in the house before my eyes ever open up. So I start hearing things, and then I'm becoming aware that I'm starting to wake up, and then the next thought is, oh, I wonder what time it is. I don't want to get up yet. But at that point in time, I can interrupt that thought and say, oh, now's a good time to have some prayer and meditation. And so at that point in time is the time that I will take prior to the alarm going off or sometimes after it's gone off to spend some quiet moments. That's when I feel that I can be connected, fully present, uh, and get guidance for my day, that I will know the right thing at the right time that is mine to do, no matter what the day brings. Um, Another time is, you know, and I learned this whenever I was ill, was I would have to rest frequently throughout the day. And if I told people that I was going to go take a nap, they'd leave me alone. And so I can take an quote, take a nap, unquote. And that is a quiet time of separation, going apart, prayer and meditation, where I can, again, get recentered, refocused, figure out what I'm not figure out, be, receive whatever there is for me to receive about what I'm supposed to be doing next or where I'm going to go next or what my options might be. And I do the same thing then before I fall asleep at night. Um, you know, the, the lights are out and everything's quiet and I have a few moments at that time too. So do I do this religiously? Not necessarily, but regularly. I would say more often than not, I do this regularly and it works for me. No pun intended on the religiously, right? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, and again, I'm thinking about the daily practice, and I think what you just expressed is a, a beautiful description of a practice that works. You know, it works for you. Maybe someone who's listening, it would work for them. Uh, but maybe somewhere in something else we've said, there's something different that would work for one of our listeners. Whenever I encounter an idea that that really at its core seems to be saying that it's a one-size-fits-all 
I big red flag goes up. I have not found any one size fits all anything in life. And sometimes I think that when I've been told that, you know, I, I must or thou shalt have a, a formal daily sitting practice, I recognize the power in that, but that sounds like a one size fits all. What works for me better is more like you're saying, you know, versus remaining open to opportunity. You know, taking a few minutes whenever it occurs to me, taking what Eckhart Tolle call a conscious breath. You know, Eckhart Tolle said, if if we would just take a conscious breath whenever that occurred to us, it will change our lives. And I know that that's true. That has been my experience. And what I heard you describing was you're just taking opportunities as they present when you wake up. Um, hearing the sounds before you're really getting moving. What a, that's a perfect opportunity to make that connection. And so you take that opportunity, same, same at night and same thing that we can do anytime along the way. You know, along with that, I think one of my major learnings through this entire journey of recovery, spirituality, however it all intertwines, is that I had tried fitting my life into somebody else's structure my entire life. And I did not have a connection I felt that supported me in figuring out what worked for me. And so in the, in the next, you know, in the, um, in the last section, some, some time frame of my recovery, I have become much more comfortable based on prayer and meditation to go, that doesn't work for me, but this does. And to, to quit forcing myself to conform to the ways of the world, or to the gurus that say, no, this is the only way to do that, and to allow myself to find what it is that works for me. And that's been, yeah, most helpful. Yeah, I, I think that's critically important, and I could affirm the same thing that you just said, and one thing I love about our recovery program and the 12-step program that we find in the literature is it's very clear that, uh, hey, it is not telling us you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. It's saying, you know, uh, I, I'm not good at quoting the exact words, but the door, you know, the door is wide. It's, it's God doesn't make too hard a terms, you know, for us in making conscious contact. And I think that we're sharing, you and I, that truth in our own individual experience. I'm, remem I'm remembering one, another way that has become important to me more recently in a prayer practice is to have a prayer partner. You know, I was told about 800 times over years and years, get a prayer partner. I'm like, what a great idea. I, I should tell people at church that they should get a prayer partner. Did I have one? No. But more recently I have, and I have found that practice and that is a, a regular and structured practice. To, I have found that practice to be such an important part of my spiritual life. And I think that touches on some things that um, people in recovery sometimes tend to be reluctant. I know I was. And that is vulnerability. You know, that, um, that allowing yourself to be known. Absolutely. So let's so, now move into action. Uh, shifting gears again, we know that unity's fifth principle states that it's not enough to know these truths, we must live them. Uh, that means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. And here's something that you can do this week to move from feeling disconnected from God to a conscious contact with God using prayer and meditation. Think of your higher power. 
your conception may be clear and definite, or it may be more elusive or still evolving. And whatever it is, just focus on it for now. The important thing is just to keep it simple for this exercise, to take your idea of God or your higher power into a quiet time of prayer and meditation, like we're saying. Take a breath, simply relax. Take it easy. No, no need to struggle. So for an illustration, let's use God as unconditional love. That, let's use that concept as an example. So we use a statement of power. What we refer to in unity is denial. We spoke about that earlier. To deny any power to feeling disconnected from God. We've all been there. You could say something like, feeling disconnected from God is temporary. It is not the truth of who I am. Repeat it a few times in your head or say it aloud, but say it with conviction. Feeling disconnected from God is temporary. It is not the truth of who I am. And follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, I am a spiritual being connected to God at the very center of my soul. And then, as always, take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Feeling disconnected from God is temporary. It's not the truth of who I am. I am a spiritual being connected to God at the very center of my soul. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope you found something to help you on your recovery path. And we both bless you on your journey. Thank you, listeners and callers, and thank you so much to my co-host, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the insights shared in our discussion today. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, and give us your thoughts and feedback. We invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.